This program deals with themes of an adult nature and is intended for a mature audience. The very word secrecy is repugnant in a free and open society. And we are, as a people, inherently and historically opposed to secret societies, to secret oaths, and to secret proceedings. Our differences worldwide would vanish if we were facing an alien threat from outside this world. We must guard against the military-industrial conflict. You want answers? I think I'm entitled. You want answers? I want the truth! You can't handle the truth! The questions you always had. The answers you were never given. The place to seek the truth. Welcome to Veritas. Headline edition, July 8, 1947. The Army Air Forces has announced that a flying disc has been found and is now in the possession of the Army. I'm as proud as hell, and I'm not going to take this anymore! The power they took from the people will return to the people. The Matrix is everywhere. It is all around us. It is the world that has been pulled over your eyes to blind you from the truth. Shall I tell you what I find beautiful about you? You are in charge of every best when things are worse. Sooner or later, though, you always have to wake up. Be skeptical, but don't close your mind. Greetings to everyone around the world, and a warm welcome to another edition of Veritas at VeritasRadio.com. I'm your host, Mel Fabregas, and I sincerely thank you for joining me once again. And if this is your first time, please make yourself at home. I want to thank you, Veritas member, for making our truth journey a reality. Please subscribe at VeritasRadio.com to listen to all segments of tonight's interview and all of our material. And for MMS, our futuristic metal case USB drives with all our seasons and bonus material, and now phytovitamins, visit the Veritas store. And also, don't forget to visit our sponsors page. And you may have heard already that one of my influences and inspirations for creating this radio program, Veritas, is Radio Hall of Fame inductee and someone who kept America up all night, Art Bell. Art Bell returns in September, and I wanted to take this opportunity to congratulate him and wish him the best on his new show, Art Bell's Dark Matter. All the best to you, Art, and may you continue taking your listeners to a magical journey to the center of the mind. And to get in touch with us for member support, media inquiries, you want to be a guest or are a whistleblower. There's a link for you by clicking on the contact button of our website at veritasradio.com. And I want to take a moment to pay tribute to a colleague and friend of Veritas, 
We lost Kevin Smith from the Kevin Smith Show yesterday. Another friend, Jerry Wills, gave me the sad news. Kevin always gave more than he received and slept only a couple of hours per night. The times we spoke, I told him I could not understand how he could do everything on his own for five days every week. I told him to slow down. He would not. He wanted to be with his family, his audience, every night. He kept him company. I still remember our interview from 2009 and his story. Listen to it. James Rhodes said it best. Find what you love and let it kill you. Kevin found what he loved. It was his passion, and he did it till the end. My thoughts are with his family and his worldwide extended family who listen to him every night. I know you will miss him. Rest in peace, Kevin, and may you now know all the answers. This is Kevin Smith from The Kevin Smith Show, and you are listening to The Veritas Show. And tonight's special guest is a veteran and a friend of this program. In fact, the very first real interview I conducted on this show was with him. He's a political activist and a leading advocate for open, transparent government. Since 1996, he has been working to end a government-imposed truth embargo or informal acknowledgement of an extraterrestrial presence engaged in the human race. From April the 29th through May the 3rd, 2013, Paradigm Research Group produced its most ambitious project, the Citizen Hearing on Disclosure. Forty witnesses from 10 countries were brought to the National Press Club in Washington, D.C. Researchers, activists, and military and agency persons of high rank and station testified for 30 hours over five days before six former members of the U.S. Congress regarding events and evidence supporting the extraterrestrial explanation for a range of unexplained phenomena. And tonight's special guest is Stephen Bassett, and you can learn more about Stephen and his work by visiting his website at paradigmresearchgroup.org and citizenhearing.org. Org. And I'm happy to welcome Stephen Bassett back to Veritas. Hello, Stephen. Welcome back. How are you? Hi, Mel. I'm fine. It's good to be with you again. It's been a, a long time since uh, we last uh, had you on the show. And, you know, as I always say to everybody who listens, you were my very first interview. And I had no idea that after five years, we'd still be here. So I'm glad to have you back. But let me just tell you a quick story. And, and then I'd like to discuss the citizen hearing because that was, a, to me, a very important event for all of us. I was in Miami Beach a, a few weeks ago with my family, and it was really hot. We decided to go inside of a hotel lobby. All of a sudden, we saw probably about 12 of the hotel employees gathering around a TV. And they were all just uh, looking amazed at what was going on. So I decided to peek in and, and see what was going on. They were watching apparently a a. Uh, a video of our mutual friend, the uh, former Ministry of, of Defense in Canada, Paul Hellier, who was talking about extraterrestrial contact. And you could see the faces of these people. This is mainstream people. Do you think that finally we are reaching mainstream? Uh, well, yeah, there's no question that the 
the the where over the last twenty years, particularly since ninety one, but really in a process starting all the way back in nineteen fifties, the public awareness of the phenomena is is a, now approach is approaching one hundred percent awareness. Uh, if you were to go on the street of any city and go up to somebody at random and say, "Do you know what a UFO is?" Probably every person would know. Um, if you asked them what an extraterrestrial was or what that idea was, they would know. So that, that's been happening. Uh, the awareness of the truth embargo, meaning the, the concept that the actual reality of this is being withheld from them by their own government, that really doesn't start to, in my opinion, get really start really advancing until 1991, 92. And since then, it clearly has advanced substantially. Um, uh, polls taken in the last 15 years uh, typically show uh, that when they're asked, do you think the government is telling the truth about this? The answer is no, about 80%. Obviously, that seems to imply an, an understanding that there's an embargo, a truth embargo of some kind. Um, so, yeah, we've made a lot of progress there with the with the public. Uh, enough, the, enough, enough, more than enough. I mean, there we got them covered. Where we haven't made the progress is with the, the mainstream media investigative units, the Congress and the executive branch. We haven't made enough progress. But then again, a look at the media. In 1982, probably over 50 companies owned the media. Now, six companies own the media. And we start looking at the connections between the media and the most powerful companies around the world, petrochemicals, pharmaceuticals. You come to the, and, and, and I'm playing devil's advocate here, you come to the realization that they will not allow this information to become public knowledge because it would fracture the entire industry that currently has the entire planet subjugated. Well, I, I don't agree. Uh, it, it's just much more, it's a much larger, broader situation than that. Uh, Let's expand the perspective here. First, while there has been a consolidation of of the top end old guard media, the networks, uh, major papers, television stations, and so forth, uh, at the same time, there's been an explosion of alternative media that's far more important than that. Of equal significance is that this new media, the new alternative media, which is internet-driven in cyberspace, massive, global, and impossible to control, um, has, as one of its uh, many, many accomplishments, succeeded in informing huge numbers of people about the media conglomeration of the mainstream media so that – and attack it, uh, criticize it. So uh, it's a two-for-one. And so the fact is is that we're not living in a situation now where a few corporations can literally decide the future of America. What they can is they can hang on to and control some ideas. Uh, but the fact is is that there's a lot of there's a lot of partisanship in that controlled arena. You've got Fox News, which is ludicrously on the right. You've got the MSNBC, which can sometimes is ludicrously on the left, you've got CNN kind of in the middle. So it's not like there's a universal message coming out of even the mainstream world. On the other hand, the networks are collapsing. I mean, I don't think they'll be in business all that much longer. The major newspapers are getting hits. They're going to have to move to cyberspace where they're much more vulnerable. 
uh, and easier to assess and examine. Of course, they're sort of on there now, uh, uh, but you know the print the print world is going away. So we're undergoing massive changes, and when you look at the bigger picture, the only conclusion I can come to is that the old world is getting hammered, and the old paradigm is falling apart. When a Bradley Manning can virtually turn the U.S. government upside down, when a, a Julian Assange and a, and a reasonably sophisticated but not massively sophisticated uh, operation like WikiLeaks can scare the hell out of the United States government, when a, a, when a collective like Anonymous, which is amorphous, ill-defined, and yet functioning, is able to drive companies and corporations and the government crazy, and then when a guy like Snowden, Edward Snowden, can come up and literally – literally slap the national security state straight across the face, get away with it, and still be in play months later, not only having slapped him across the face with the fundamental revelation about the NSA surveillance programs, but then create international stories bringing into play you know, Bolivian presidents being forced to the ground because they're not allowed over airspace because he may be on the plane. Putin having to make a decision to give him asylum and then turning around and giving him asylum, thus slapping the United States across the face again. This is a new world, and the old guard is getting their ass kicked. Uh, furthermore, the idea that, I don't know, the owners of a few networks or the owners of a couple of oil companies are walking around the 64th bottom floor of the Pentagon basement ordering colonels and, and generals around and telling them the truth embargo has to stay because they want to get even more filthy rich is also nonsense. And so one of the problems we have is that the years of frustration um, that have, have developed where we've watched the national security state build. We really couldn't do anything about it during the Cold War. We got that, though we were incredibly frustrated over all the proxy wars, the slaughter, the maiming of people, plus the destruction of America's moral authority, which has continued since the end of the Cold War. All of this is very frustrating, and the truth embargo is in its 65th year, and people want to get really negative about it and think, oh, it's all run by the Illuminati and nothing will ever change. The fact is it's not that way at all. And I encourage people to get out of that mode of thinking and start thinking in the 21st century, 2013. Behind Edward Snowden is a thousand more because the entire national security state is run by millennials, kids born since 1980. Believe me, they didn't hire a bunch of 60-year-olds to create those computer programs, run those computers because they don't know how to do it. The kids know how to do it, and these kids are in there by the thousands learning about the way the old guard is operated, learning about what they're doing, and they're not happy about it. And so there's going to be more Edward Snowdens, and the whole thing is simply coming apart at the seams, not the least of which is the truth embargo about the ET presence, which is going to collapse soon enough under the weight of its own 65 years, 67 years of lies, misrepresentation, and all of the assaults on it, not only by the advocacy movement, but by history itself, as well as a dozen nations, which have made it clear they're tired of the damn thing and they want it to end. That's the circumstances, Mel, really, that we're looking at. You have to look at the much bigger picture to see what's going on and not focus too much on the cliches about, well, you know, there's a power group here or the media is all conglomerated. Th th these are the, the frustrated um, emotions of a public that is completely perplexed that a nation this rich with this much heritage and positives going for it is screwing up this badly that so many that, – that a nation like the United States has put that many incompetent people in Congress, has created 
such a powerless president has allowed the national security state to get as far as it has. That's frustration and anger and bitterness. The answer to that is action, reform, focused attention, and you know, putting the right people in prison for a change. All of that's doable, and that's my job is to be involved in that process. Absolutely, and I think uh, part of the, the their goal is to to cause exhaustion so that people can you know stop looking because that's why I mentioned what I did. But you mentioned Bradley Manning, uh, Michael. I mean uh, uh, Assange, uh, Michael Hastings. Uh, you probably know how he died. Edward Snowden. Now Russia giving asylum. Where do you think Russia stands when it comes to this closure? Well, the most important thing. There's two things that have happened in the last year that. Knowledgeable people, if they really were paying attention, and most people aren't, I get that, would note with great interest. Russia is absolutely a candidate to end the ET truth embargo. Be absolutely certain that there are, there are people within the Russian military and intelligence community, which includes Putin, that are fully aware of the ET presence, and they could announce it tomorrow. But a lot of people think there's no way the Russia would do that because they wouldn't want to anger the United States. I just have to laugh. I just have to laugh. These are people that are 30 years behind the curve. Two things happened. One, about a year ago, Alexander Medvedev, former prime minister, was giving an interview. And after, quote, the interview was, quote, unquote, over, and supposedly uh, the cameras were shut down, the mic was shut down, he just happens to mention on camera and on mic and discuss that the fact that the incoming uh, heads of state in Russia receive substantial security briefings and information and books, stuff we've talked about in the U.S. all the time, which includes the nuclear stuff as well as information about extraterrestrials on the planet. And that anybody that sort of wanted to, you know, wanted to kind of get a sense of that could check out the, the documentary or the movie or whatever film, Men in Black. Now, the reporter was kind of, I guess, laughing a little bit. I mean, she was – I, I saw kind of a nervous laugh, but he wasn't. He was deadpanned. Now, immediately, the, a lot of people jumped on that and said, oh, it was definitely a joke because he, he mentions Men in Black, and that was a, that's a comedy series in the United States, so it's definitely a joke. Well, once again, they're wrong. He was not referring to the Men in Black with Will Smith and Jones. He was referring to a documentary, The Men in Black, that is a fact coming out right at that time in Russia that was not a comedy at all. And it's available on the internet. Check it out. All right. Now, do you really think that the heads of state of countries, particularly a country like Russia, just for the hell of it, decide that they're going to sow some ET stuff out there like that just to get a cheap laugh? They're not prone to doing that. This is not something – people in that position just don't do that. In fact, if you look at it from the right perspective, from the disclosure perspective, it was a perfect example of diplomacy by other means, a way of Russia to send a message to the U.S. that, you know, we know about the ETs too, and you guys are continuing to lie straight flesh to the entire world about this. Meanwhile, you're pushing everybody around, starting wars, uh, acting kind of imperialistic, and you know, killing people with drones. You know, maybe we might do this. Now, maybe there's a reason that Russia would prefer the U.S. go first. But then, if that was really the case, I mean, or put it this way, if they had no desire to disclose at all, then why would Medvedev say anything? Now, let's finish up with the second point here. 
all of those people that think Russia is sort of under our thumb, Putin just allowed Snowden one year of asylum in his country, and everybody in the government, both sides of the aisle, are jumping up, wanting to boycott the Winter Games, calling it a slap across the face, talking about a new Cold War. Basically, he stuck his thumb straight in the eye of Uncle Sam. Why? Because the United States is slowly destroying its credibility, its moral authority, its economy, its education system by decades of rotten, stupid, ignorant policies that has allowed the Soviet the Russia to start to make substantial advances. Though you've got some idiots on Fox still talking like they're about to go in the crapper. And China, of course, is one of the most fastest growing economic powers in the world, followed by India, where we are barely hanging on. The message is you people are becoming irrelevant. All you're going to have soon is a bunch of nuclear weapons and idiot politicians. That's it. And a, and a worthless dollar right? In a, in a world where you are shrinking away. Now tell me again how the U.S. controls the world and that no other nation would dare offend us by announcing the extraterrestrial presence. That's the circumstances today. The whole damn uh, baby boomer, you know, greatest generation, Cold War, secret empire group, who are very proud of themselves, did some good things, lived under a certain set of rules, it doesn't work anymore, is completely falling apart. And as you say, uh, Russia definitely gaining so much prominence and strength. And as the news called it yesterday, global mojo by granting Snowden temporary asylum. But I, th yes. I, th I think this is also, Steve, because of their uh, oil power. They, they, they have once again conquered that again, and, and they have become somewhat independent when it comes to that. But let's not forget what happened in the late 80s when the price of oil went down and the Soviet Union collapsed. This is different now. This is different now. And many people may throw tomatoes at me, but, you know, I'm gaining some respect for Putin for standing strong and doing the things he's doing now. Let's not forget he's former KGB. So if there's just somebody in Russia that knows about this subject, it must be Putin. Right? Of course he knows. Of course he knows. Another reason why President Obama should wake up every morning, every single morning, wondering, is this the day Russia announces the extraterrestrial presence? Is this the day China does it or Brazil does it, which is also – Brazil is also pretty much independent of foreign oil and thus basically can tell us to go to hell, right? And you know, let's understand something. The drop of oil was only a small part of the reason that Russia collapsed in 1989 to 1991. Their whole system was unraveling, and they were they were being spent. They were having to spend too much money on defense against the United States, and they didn't have the economy to support it. Plus, the people were fed up with the whole thing, and they had some leaders who were willing to make a change: Gorbachev and Srebrenica. So. It wasn't just oil, but all along, Russia's always known that, yeah, oil goes up, oil goes down, but look at the size of that country and the resources they have. Does anybody think that the price of gold and silver and platinum and all the rest of the key metals as well as rare earths are going to go down? Russia, at the end of the Cold War, I don't know what their, their, their national debt was, but I think it was like one 
percent of ours or one-tenth of one percent of ours, uh, and they don't have that much debt even today. So while people think Russia is having a problem, and yeah, they, they tend to be still a little totalitarian, and they've got their own you know, human rights issues. right? If you want to bet on a country looking down the line 25 years, you, you, you don't bet on the U.S. You bet on, this, you bet on Russia or, or China or even India. Or I mean, China I and I Russia, the both. The, Amer- the American people really don't yet understand how screwed things up are here. We are, you know, there's been a number of books written in the last 20 years by high-end writers, some scholars, some just excellent writers, trying to make the comparison between the United States circa 1945, 1946, to the present, and Rome. In its last 200 years. Now, back then, things went slower. I mean, it took a lot longer for things to happen. Now, it happens faster. So, it takes a little lo- lot less time now. Same concept. These are legitimate comparisons. The American people are living under such an avalanche of propaganda, vast commercial propaganda in the form of advertising, which simply rains down upon them. Millions upon millions of ads being put out every day in every realm, trying to get them to buy stuff they don't even need, as well as political propaganda, media propaganda, that they really no longer have a clear vision of what's going on around them. There are groups that do. There are people that do. Unfortunately, they're not enough yet. And so the American people are living under a massive delusion. Their boat is sinking, and they're out on the dance floor in the main ballroom, dancing away, listening to propaganda on, their, on, the, on the speakers while the boat's sinking underneath them, just like with Rome. And it's really sad. The rest of the world knows this, by the way. I've been out of the country a number of times. You go out there, they say, yeah, your boat's sinking. Why don't, why don't you fix the hole? Do something. And I'm going, yeah, it's a good point. This is, this is the situation today. This is the reality today. Without getting into hyperbolic statements about super conspiracy theories and massive control entities or whatever, or even, even hidden reptilians that are running the, running the world and all of that stuff, which is not what I have confidence in or even get into. Just on the fundamentals that is the circumstance today, and that is the circumstance in which the disclosure movement is being pursued. The United States probably has done the most to reverse engineer the ET technology. The United States started the truth embargo. The United States has the power to bring the most profound truth in history to the world's people and probably bring out technology which could transform the 21st century, and it can't do it because it's stuck. Right? It's stuck in a dilemma that it created going all the way back to 1953, and it can't move forward. It's locked up, and so while it has this enormous possibility, it can't execute it, right? and that's the circumstance that the disclosure movement is trying to confront. It's trying to maneuver the U.S. into a position where it actually finally can do what it has to do, what it ultimately, I suppose, will do, either first – or because another nation goes first. There is so much at stake, Mel. On this disclosure movement, I can't measure it. It's many, many times more important than the civil rights movement or the women's rights movement or the gay rights movement, all of which I think are fantastic. It's more important than saving the whales. It's more important than global warming. It is the issue of our time or any other time. And were it not for the truth embargo, it would be the number one thing in front of the Congress, in front of the media. It would be taught in schools. It would be debated ad infinitum in every mainstream venue there is. But the truth embargo has locked it up, thus making it impossible so far to end it 
and move forward. In other words, the boat is sinking and the government went around and locked everybody in their staterooms. And the mainstream media, I call it here, the Ministry of Propaganda. And I hate to empower them with, with these words, but they're definitely keeping most of the population, Steve, they're keeping them stupid, docile, and apathetic. And that's why they're not paying attention. I mean, as you say, this is one of the, if not, this is the most important issue because just paint. And I know our, our mutual friend Richard Dolan wrote a book about the day after disclosure. Can you paint a picture of what it would be? And I hate to even say it. I'm thinking of President Obama standing on, on a microphone right there in front of the Capitol or the White House. And I say this because our very first interview, we called it Obama, the disclosure president. We heard that, oh, my God, he's going to be transparent and he's going to be the, the most clear of all presidents, not lying. Yes. It couldn't be further from the truth right now, Steve. Mm -hmm. But there's a reason for that. Uh, we had good reasons to talk that way five years ago. Um, why? Well, okay. This was right, the presidential election of 2002. Um, I'm sorry. Let me get my, my, my this is this was the president. I'm, I'm, 2008. It's the presidential election of uh, of 2008. Uh, in the years leading up to that election, uh, which was obviously the Bush administration, going back to late 2002 uh, a major democratic operative key advisor to Bill Clinton chief of staff to Bill Clinton uh, and still a major player in the Democratic Party or in the liberal the liberal world John Podesta went in front of the national press club it, it, it went in front of the cameras of the National Press Club called for the release of all the UFO files which would have ended the truth embargo I mean, if it was actually done a year later, in October of 2003, came back and, and did it again at another press conference in the National Press Club, called for the release of all the UFO files. There is a video of the first one that nobody was able, has been able to get their hands on a video of the second one and get it up on YouTube yet, but that'll happen one day. Seven months after that, oh, shortly after he announced a call for the UFO files in, in 2003, he announced the launch of the, of, of the, of a brand new think tank, which is now the progressive think tank in America called the Center for American Progress, which he was able to raise $25 million to back. Interesting. Apparently, calling for the release of all UFO files didn't impede John Podesta any. So he launches the Center for American Progress. Seven months later, a, a key political figure and a uh, friend of the Clintons, who was governor of New Mexico, former secretary of energy, had run for, was about, and about to run for president. Meaning, announced shortly thereafter, uh, and, and, and it was a key vice presidential possibility, uh, puts in writing in a foreword to a book called Roswell Dig Diaries uh, that the explanation for Roswell by the Air Force doesn't hold up. Basically, called the Air Force a liar. That was Bill Richardson. Now, they lost the election and people backed away, and we entered the campaign. Who's, who are the key people that are, could be president? Let's put aside McCain and talk about the two Democrats that emerged. One was Obama. One was Hillary Clinton. Hillary Clinton, of course, was the wife of Bill Clinton. Bill Clinton was the president when Rockefeller, Lawrence, approached him in March. His administration tried to, to get the, all the files released, exactly what Podesta called for in 2002. He, uh, Rockefeller wanted amnesty for people to come forward and spill the beans without having to face any penalties. And the Rockefeller initiative went on for three years, and Hillary Clinton was involved in it because we have the documents that prove it. And, of course, she knows John Podesta. She knows Bill Richardson. 
and she's running for president. Who's the other guy? Barack Obama. He's being backed by many of the people that back Clinton as well. In fact, eventually a lot of Clinton people shifted over to him when they realized that she, she was going to lose to him. And so Barack Obama runs for president and during this campaign repeatedly calls for open, transparent government, which is kind of what Podesta was calling for in 2002, 2003 when he wanted all the UFO files released. That would be open transparency. Ending the truth embargo on the ET presence would be the ultimate act of open transparency. And he's calling for a number of other things, and it all looks very good. And he wins the election. And who is the person that he hires as his camp is his transition chief, the person to keep the key player other than the president in terms of picking the new government? Well, John Podesta, of course, the man who called for the release of all the UFO files twice in 2002, 2003. And so, yeah, I saw the picture that was being painted. It was pretty clear that the Democrats were seriously considering disclosure if they'd won the election of 2006. They really thought they were going to win it. But when they lost it, right, shockingly, they pretty much had to back away because the last thing they wanted was disclosure under, under George Bush and wait for their next opportunity, which came, of course, in 2008 with the election of Barack Obama. Except there was one problem. You see, the Republicans also know there's an extraterrestrial president. If, you know, even if they haven't been briefed, there are a number of them that have been tipped off, right? I mean, believe me, the military intelligence complex doesn't like the Congress and doesn't trust them, doesn't trust the Dems or the Republicans. So I'm not saying that Republicans in Congress are getting more briefed than Democrats. None of them are getting briefed. The point is that they know. Some of them go back a long ways. Some of them, some of these repubs are high-end figures that go back 30, 40 years. So there are certain ones that know. And I believe they knew that it was quite possible the Democrats were going to make that move, right? Podesta's on board as transition chair. Hillary Clinton is coming in, is, is the uh, Secretary of State. Bill Clinton is still hanging around as a major player. The Rockefeller Initiative was being spread all over the place by me and Cameron and others. The stage was set. And so what do you do? Because if the Democrats had done that, if, they, if, if Obama comes in, you know, announces some interesting policies and then announces the ET presence, it would have been the greatest political legacy in history. The Republicans probably wouldn't have gotten back in the White House for 20 or 30 years. So they were concerned. Now, when you're facing that kind of a situation, well, and you're a Republican, you know, who, who basically are handed you know, Machiavelli's book. Uh, in the first grade and told to memorize it. You take extreme measures. You take extreme risks to get what you want. You play hardball. And in fact, in this case, they played stainless steel titanium ball. What did they do? It's real simple. Scorched earth. Give up the White House and burn everything to the ground on your way out. Now, in order to do that, you can't wait until, what, January the 10th, 10 days before the inauguration. What they did was, given the fact that the Republicans knew that they were going to lose the election as early as July of, of 2008, maybe the American people, maybe Karl Rove was out there saying they were going to win, whatever. They knew they were going to lose. They have their own internal polls, which are far more sophisticated than the standard public polls. And so they knew McCain was toast. Fine. So, interestingly enough, about 10, 12 days before the actual election, Lehman Brothers decide now's the time to say we're done. We're finished. We're bankrupt. It's all going down. We're finished. All right. Which triggered 
a whole bunch of financial people rushing into the White House, which was still controlled by George Bush and would be to January the 19th, saying, my God, the greatest economic collapse in history is about to take place. It's going to be worse than the Depression. We need hundreds of billions of dollars, and we need them now. And so the greatest theft in all of history began. Ultimately, trillions of dollars, taxpayers' money, massive debt increases were transferred to Republicans and Republican friends and bankers and Wall Street people, enriching them more than ever, allowing them to pay off all their financial obligations, particularly overseas, passing it through to foreign banks, and, quote, saving America from a new depression. The effect of this was to create a massive crisis that, that virtually is sitting there waiting for Obama on the day he arrives in the presidency. But more importantly, gutting the nation, taking all the money, bankrupting the country. So whatever the Democrats were thinking about doing, they were going to have to do it on the cheap because there was no money left. The only thing they didn't do was burn the White House to the ground because that would have been just a tad too obvious. And so whatever the plans the Democrats had, they went up in smoke. The day Lehman Brothers went down and all the Skull and Bones guys on Wall Street got together and had a big party. Whether they invited George Bush or his dad doesn't really matter. So Obama was dead on arrival. He was and his legacy always will be the first African-American president, not a trivial legacy. But he arrived ill-prepared. Not really qualified, intellect I say intellectually, by experience, by life experience to be the president without the necessary contacts to be able to control the situation. And they ate his lunch from the day he got there, and he has never really risen above water since. His presidency will be noted for that one thing, and that is he was the first you know, American I mean, black black uh, American to become president of the United States. And the Republicans have pretty much had their way. It has been a bad eight years. And that's one of the re – that is the principal reason why we haven't gotten disclosure. The Republicans were willing to take the risk that they could steal trillions of dollars, obviously, and and still get away with it. And they basically did because they had this vast propaganda operation going in in radio talk radio and, and, and on certain cable news, and they immediately went to work from day one to try to convince the American people, which are in a somewhat state of, of uh, regression, that in fact it was Obama's fault that all of this happened, not them. And they actually pretty much pulled it off. Had they not pulled it off, had the American people figured it all out and a bunch of Wall Street guys had gone to jail and maybe even a few – some of the Republican Party operatives had gone to jail, the Republicans would have been decimated. They took that risk because that's what was – they felt there was that much at stake. And what the American people I don't think get yet, what the media doesn't get yet is that what was at stake, right? Well, besides getting more wealthy, which is always nice if you're a Republican. The political legacy of disclosure was at stake, and they've successfully prevented it from happening. Now, it could happen tomorrow. We'll keep talking to Mr. Obama through the media day after day, week after week, month after month. We're certainly not going to get a meeting at the White House, no invitations. We're not going to get any congressional hearings. We're not going to get investigations, not yet, by the Washington Post, which got out of the investigation business with Watergate about 40 years ago. But we can talk to him because, you know. 
We've put petitions up on his website. We've held conferences in his backyard, held a citizen hearing two blocks from his house. We keep giving him the message. You're running out of time. You still have a chance to be a great president by starting a truth revolution. And this is... I don't know. This is this would be the legacy because when he came to power, I remember when people were wondering, is he going to reverse the Patriot Act? Is he going to be more transparent? All of a sudden, we have the National Defense Authorization Act. He renews it again. He did it, you know, in the dead of the night. People weren't watching. Yeah. We have uh, Russia, China, Japan. India planning to go to the moon. It's been, or, you know, almost 50 years and we're not yeah. going to the moon. Um, I see so many things that have changed. I expect there's so much more, Steve. But you, you might forget that, had it forgotten that right within the first couple of days that he was, uh, elected. I'm sorry, took office. He signed several presidential directives, which in fact very much served open, transparent government. He modified the Presidential Records Act. He tried to boost up the FOIA laws. In other words, right off the get-go, he, he starts to move to serve his campaign promises there, but eventually that all evaporates. In fact, you know, he it's one of the oddest presidents. He's one of the oddest presidents ever to take office and most unusual. And his presidency is one of the most unusual. I have another theory, purely a theory, that I believe is worth consideration um, and even some investigation, though, again, this is not what America, the top end media do anymore. But And that is this. When I look at the Obama presidency, big picture, right, get out of the minutia and just get above it and look down over it, what I see and what I think very well has happened is that there are power players in Washington, D.C. that are always there. Every president that comes into office, they're there. They only go away when they die. And they're heavy hitters, and they don't fool around. And you have to deal with them one way or the other. Some deal with them better than others. I deeply suspect that the heavy hitters, who in in many cases have – you know. Uh, National security connections and, and connections with the intelligence world. I believe that some of these people have something very, very incriminating on the president. More incriminating than what they had on Jack Kennedy. And it's bad enough that they pretty much own him. And he has had to give up just about everything he may personally believe in in order to stay in office or to avoid whatever they have hanging over his head. It's also notable that he comes into office with, as the first black president with two young girls getting death threats on a regular basis. So even without any intimidation coming from the power players over something they may have on him from his background, whatever that may be, he's also in a situation that most people would view as quite dangerous. And so I I have a theory that the president, and I guess I'll put this in the simplest terms, has been blackmailed virtually from within the first weeks that he arrived, if, if not before. I'm going to suspect not before, but rather 
after he arrives. And that explains to me his presidency better than anything else that has been put forward. And what has been put forward, if you watch the news, which I do, is no, none of the esteemed pundits uh, on any of the three cable networks uh, of note have put forward any comprehensive theory that explains the Obama administration. Mostly what you get from them is perplexed commentary. I don't get it. It doesn't make sense. How did that happen? Why did he do that? Et cetera, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. But no theories. And even if they – and let me tell you something. Even if they had a theory that he was being blackmailed by some power, inside power people over something they've got on him, they wouldn't come forward with it. Even if they had some evidence, they wouldn't do it. Too dangerous, right? Because anybody capable of blackmailing a president can sure as hell black – Mail, uh, cheap-ass cable network, which is lucky to get two million people watching one of their news shows, and often has as few as two hundred thousand. That survives on Viagra ads and Cialis ads and endless ads for cancer centers of America, because all the audience is averaging sixty years old. Believe me, they can do that, and so this has not been looked at. That's my theory. I'm sticking by it. And the theory seems very plausible. I think that any any politician that runs for office, whether Congress, Senate, or what have you, they must have some dirt. And they're either subverted or they're destroyed. I mean, let's take uh, the Ronald Reagan as an example. After he took office in January of uh, 81, not even two months later, he was almost killed. And some insiders say that he was never the same. You know, he supposedly saw a UFO. Carter saw a UFO. Do you think these presidents want to do more? But as you say, and let's take, for example, security clearance. I heard that there are about 38 levels above top secret and that the president only has a level 17. So who are these people that are above the president? Well, let's be careful now. We got, I think we're talking two groups here. I mean, the group that manages the ET issue is one group. The people that may have something on Barack Obama, I'm not suggesting it's that group. Uh, I'm suggesting it's another group, power players operating from elsewhere. Um, But obviously, there is the the ET management groups are not pressing the president for disclosure at this point. I actually don't think they can. There's a they're trapped. There's kind of a situation. Maybe we'll get into this later, but. the ET issue is the only issue out there, and I think the whole idea of presidents being virtually tied up in knots by institutionalized power figures in, in D.C. is something the American people need to know about in, in, in great detail. Look, there's plenty of evidence for this. Uh, uh, here's how it works, it, no, and, and here's where it gets tr- tricky, and, and American people sort of know this, but they don't think about it. There are only two qualifications for somebody to be president of the United States. You need to be a naturalized, natural-born citizen under whatever rules that is, and they need to be 35 years old. That's it. There are no other. There are no other requirements. Uh, therefore, every anybody that that has gets close to being president 
In other words, as you as you go through the political process, you've got primaries, you've got elections, and all of that. Anybody they, automatically it triggers a vetting process by the intelligence community, which is done discreetly, right? And their job is to find out everything they can about that person, just in case there's something about that person that would make them very, very dangerous to the US, United States and its constitution that they might have to deal with one way or another. Now, the rules of the game are that these dossiers of presidential candidates are not they're, – they're, they're off the record. In other words, you, you can't get them. They're not going to be used. They're, they, they came. they're only going to be used if, in fact, there is a direct threat to the nation and there would be some process that would go under uh, – you know, that would occur. But otherwise, they, they, don't, they can't be used for political purposes. And so did, did the intelligence world know about all of Clinton's girlfriends when he when, – of course they did. Did they know that he was ha- had an affair, having an affair with uh, – what's her name? Uh, the, the, the one that came forward uh, actually during the campaign, Jennifer or something. Flowers? Uh, of course they did. Yeah, Flowers. Uh, did they know uh, about George W. Bush's cocaine use, drunken stuff and everything? Of course they did. And did they know everything that should be known and needed to be known about Barack Obama? Of course they did. This is the national intelligence community, the secret empire with billions of dollars available to it. It's not some website blathering about some supposed problem with Obama's past. This is the national intelligence community, and they know everything about anybody that either gets near the White House. Now, in the case of Jack Kennedy, I I, I believe that this information was kept tight. And Jack was allowed to be Jack, though the CIA did try to work him over. Remember, Jack Kennedy was a war hero. Uh, so he was hardly some utterly liberal wimp. I mean, he, he, was, he went to war. He was a hero. And he was extremely well-liked by certain segments. In the case of Jimmy Carter, uh, they did not – I don't think they had much on Carter because I think he's led a pretty exemplary life. And if they had anything, they weren't going to use it, but that's not necessarily the case because you can always threaten a president or his children. I, I'm always – it's always concerns me, uh, this issue of presidents coming into office with young children. I mean obviously you're not going to you know, pass a law that prevents that, but you know, my god, I, you know, I, there are plenty of men and women that would – be a president in a second and wouldn't even think twice about being assassinated. But who can easily deal with the possibility that their children be killed if they didn't, quote, toe the line on certain policies uh, that were uh, dear to the hearts of certain inside groups? Uh, but Carter was certainly shut down on his ET interest, and that, that was because it was too soon. Reagan? Eh, I don't know. George Bush? Yeah. I think George Bush scared them to death, and uh, I think to some degree they probably let him know that be careful. Uh, as it was, he still did a lot of damage, and uh, uh, I believe there was an effort by the intelligence community to bring him down. 
whether or not they employed their dossiers, I don't know. But believe me, there were you know you, you couldn't you couldn't turn on the news there for a while with some without a new retired former you know general in armed services coming forward talking about how bad Bush's policies were. This is not something you know you see every day. There are even a few that were still serving that had kind of said a few things that got them in hot water. Uh, Clinton was probably the real problem for the for, for the for the for the intelligence community. He really was a problem for them. They were angry that he that he defeated George H. W. Bush, who they liked. Uh, they hated him as a human being. He was a pot smoking, womanizing, Bubba from a know nothing state, uh, arrogant, uh, draft dodger. <laughs> they hated him, and. I believe this is a case where the dossier was pulled out of the of the file cabinet, and I think that people in intelligence community passed information on to Richard Mellonscape. It's just a theory of mine that was used to to go after the president and his wife and his aunts and his uncles and his dogs and his friends and hit him with every scandal they could, try to destroy him. And one of the reasons they did that was not only because they hated him, but because Rockefeller, Lawrence Rockefeller, turned up in his uh, in the White House in March of. 1993, talking disclosure, talking, bringing all the UFO files out, which they weren't ready to do, and they didn't want him to be the disclosure president. This is the hidden history of the, you know, <laughs> the last 30 years. You know, the real history. Trust me, the real history is not known yet. Hopefully, one day it will be. We, what we think we know happened is kind of amusing in a way, but that may be a case where the dossier was brought out. Now, whether or not Barack Obama is being blackmailed by information. Collected by the intelligence community and dossiered as he got near the White House, I don't know. He's, but it's also possible that he's being blackmailed, if he's being blackmailed, by other power figures. And there are plenty who could basically say, look, we will destroy everything you believe in, your legacy and everything else, and turn your presidency into catastrophe, or you will give us what we want. And I hope to God that that is one day, if it's true, it's found out and we learn the truth about it. So again, this this is not good. All of this is bad. Now, look, the Soviet, Soviet Union was even worse. Let's not even go there. Let's not even get into the intrigues that took place in the Kremlin and all the nonsense that went on. It was awful. Same thing with the Vatican, right? You know, I mean, murdering popes became almost a pastime there. I mean, it's like we're not unique, but it's we, – we want better. We expect better, and we have the potential for much better. And so all of this is just holding us back, and, 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 no, and, and time marches on, and history moves forward, and the world is changing radically. And so this is a terrible time for the U.S. to go into a 25-year retrenchment time where presidents are tied up, policy can't go forward, the Congress is falling apart. All of this, it's a bad time for that, and everybody sees it happening around them, and it's really worrying them, and they don't know what to do. And so they're acting out and screaming and yelling and bitching and moaning and complaining and electing idiots to the Congress, reacting to every demagogue. God that comes along. Uh, that's what people do. That's what citizens do. That's what the Romans did. And so we get it. But you know, unlike the Romans, we have a pretty good grasp of history. I mean, we really do. <laughs> We've got hundreds of thousands and millions of books about everything that's ever happened. We've got massive computer systems. We've got a lot of tools Romans didn't have. And so we have much less of an excuse, excuse to sit by and let the whole thing fall apart. You know, I'll give the Romans some credit. They did probably the best they could. We we can do better. And so, uh, again, it's up to the American people. 
you can you can continue to 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 literally live and 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 and, and sail on an ocean of lies and watch your country go down the drain or you can start supporting every truth advocate movement out there back every single individual is trying to get the truth to you and not propaganda and lies defend them to the maximum stand between them and and and, and the and the uh SWAT teams that are coming to get them. Whatever you got to do, get in the truth business, and the government may get in the truth business with you, and things may get better. And when somebody calls you a conspiracy theorist, say no. I'm a truth seeker. But you're talking about JFK for a moment. You know, he had his romantic escapades too, and the media kept it quiet. Clinton did it too. The media started, you know, telling. Whoa, 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 but wait a minute, wait a minute, no. Clinton had some romantic escapades. JFK had a mistress that might have been a spy. He had another mistress connected to the mafia. Believe me. That's right. It was much more intense than that. But, I mean, you know, but he, he made he made he made Bill Clinton look like a high school guy hanging out at the prom. But here's where I'm going with this, Steve. Those candles, yeah. those candles, and, you know, and I'm glad you're mentioning the spy connection there. But those candles seem like a child play today when we see all the scandals we are seeing, especially the targeting of groups or, or especially whistleblowers, which leads me to the next question. Do you think that the prosecution of Manning and what's happening with Snowden, do you think this is a sign to the world to shut up about this topic too? <laughs> sure, sure, but it ain't going to work. Uh, right now, I mean, God, there's so much going on. I wish I was in a better mood to enjoy it. Um we are seeing the beginnings of what may be the most extraordinary revolution in all of history. Now, let me get me wrong. Disclosure of the ET presence will be the most extraordinary event in human history, but the most extraordinary revolution is underway. And and uh, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to be talking more and more about that in the coming media that I'm going to be doing, and I've got a lot of media lined up. Um, essentially, in a, in a nutshell, uh, we have the greatest generation, which essentially – served in and won World War II and built up the the, the initial structures of the national security state to contain the Soviet Union. We had the baby boomers, which were born after the war, that helped maintain the, the, the Cold War defense and completed the – well, you know, obviously advanced the, the, the national security state substantially. We had their children called the Gen Xers who were sort of lost. I mean, they were sort of in between, didn't know what to do. They didn't know whether to be hippies or be real estate agents. They just didn't know what to do. And then they have your, their children, which some call the Generation Y, but are increasingly becoming called the Millennials. Now, John Zogby, the pollster, who has polled the Millennial generation extensively, has written a book called um, The New Globals. He, he calls them the New Globals. And by and large, these are the, the, the gener this is the generation born since 1980. Uh, this may be the most unusual generation in American history for a number of reasons. Uh, and they are the following. One, they are post-racial. They don't care about race. They are post-nationalist. They care much less about nationalism and national distinctions. They are some are spiritual, but they're certainly post what we'll call formal religion and religious persecutions, whether be, whether it's the persecution of religion or religion persecuting others. They're, they're beyond that. You care less. 
they have a total different view of sex, and they are probably more different from their parents and grandparents than any previous generation. And most important of all, they are incredibly computer savvy. They were born with iPhones in their hands. Computers literally were in their life, and they are the masters of them. And they are running the world, and they're not going to put up with the crap that the baby boomer generation is handing them. They really aren't. Uh, and more importantly, because they are a computer savvy, because they are the ones that had to be hired to run all the systems that serve the national security state, the politicians, the agencies, the corporations, they pretty much know what's going on, and they don't like it at all. And so they're not going to, to play ball. And what we're seeing is they're finally starting to make their moves. And Assange was the first major player. Now, Assange is not a millennial, but he was the age of the millennials when he forms WikiLeaks and starts building it up. And, of course, when WikiLeaks made its major move, it was one of the most significant events in American history. Um, and, of course, the government responded, and they, they, they tied him up, and they tried to get him on a sex scandal that they, you know, by putting pressure on, on Sweden, which has been kissing our ass forever. Uh, and so far, it hasn't worked, but they definitely slowed him down. Then they went after the, the key source that, that, that brought WikiLeaks to prominence, which was Bradley Manning. And because he was in the army, they were able to suck him right into the system and, and uh, send a message by obviously – waiving the prospect of execution and everything else. Now, that certainly scared a lot of people. And as it happened, he just got the verdict and uh, the key charges were taken off the table and we're waiting to see how many years he's going to get. But the the actual conviction was not as bad as the government was trying to get. But nevertheless, Manling is going to be a, a martyred symbol of the millennial generation's response to the national security state for years. Then you've got the rise of Anonymous. Anonymous is a very interesting phenomenon, uh, which has hooked itself to the most one of the most unusual movies of the last 20 years, which is V for Vendetta and the extraordinary Guy Fawkes mask, which is going to be one of the great symbols of our time. It's one of the great memes I've ever seen. It's just an amazing concept. And, and they've hooked to that. And they basically are an amalgam of... of of anti-establishment computer savvy people, almost all millennials, and they're slowly organizing themselves into response teams, and the government really can't do anything about it. And they're going to become the, I would just say, the school for the the next series of Snowdens and so forth. And then, of course, you've got Snowden himself, which essentially what Snowden has done is gone far beyond, in a way, what Manning and the others previous to him have done, and certainly any of the standard whistleblowers are getting hacked apart with machetes. He's smarter than they are, and there's guys even smarter than Snowden, and there's more coming forward. And so he has really uh, eaten the government's launch. He puts out the revelations about not Iraq, but rather domestic surveillance guaranteed enormous sympathy from the American people, heads off to Hong Kong. That keeps it in, in, in the news for weeks and weeks and weeks. And before it can die down, it gets over to, 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 to Moscow, brings Putin into play, uh, and makes it a massive story, still going on, guaranteeing 
that everything he intended to do will never go away and that the amount of sympathy he's going to get – he's got countries lining up to give him asylum. He's eaten the government's lunch on this, and they don't know what to do because they know there are many more students. And unless they start executing – you know, I mean literally walking up to computer guys working in NSA and shooting them in the back of the head like the Germans did back in the 30s, they, 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 they're really powerless. right? They can try to scare the hell out of us, and these people aren't going to scare. And so literally we're seeing a generation in the process of rising up and impaling. The United States government and other government secret empires and intelligence prop, uh, national security structures on their own petard, on the computer petard that they had to build in order to do what they do, but they needed these kids to run. That is happening at the same time disclosure is happening, and one of the reasons why disclosure will get through the door. Uh, because while this generation is not yet really lined up behind the disclosure movement – which really goes back to the 40s and you know, the, the baby boomer time and the national security state time. They, they, they don't quite get it yet, but one of these days they're going to hook up with it. That's one of the things I'm trying to do. One of my jobs is to hook the, this revolution and the, 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 the secrecy reform movement up to the disclosure movement if possible. Uh, they're going to do that, and that makes disclosure that much more inevitable. We're going to see all of this play out. And just as the British, because they had certain moral constraints that they couldn't give up or it would have destroyed the legacy of the British Empire, were doomed to, to stay in India. The, uh, in other words, they had moral restraints the Nazis didn't have, the so Stalin didn't have. You, you get my point. The United States has got even more moral restraints on them and it's going to make it impossible to contain the revolution that is coming straight at them. Of which Snowden, Assange, Manning, all these people and Anonymous are simply parts of. They can't stop it. And we're going to see all this play out in the next couple of years. And one last thought before we take our, our break. Again, I have to play devil's advocate for a second because we have to always consider both perspectives. Steve. How do we really know that Assange, Anonymous, and some of these whistleblowers are not controlled opposition plays there for for a reason how do we know that snowden is not a trojan horse for russia and i say this because the establishment if they want to get you example michael hastings dr carla turner if they want to get you they get you well all right look first of all we don't know whether if carla turner was a victim of any state action and we don't know that hastings was i think it's important that we pay attention and think about it but until it's proven it's just speculation that's point number one point number two <laughs> Look, yeah, you know, how do we know that Snowden isn't a shape-shifting reptilian? We don't, but we have our common sense. The fact that there are people in the United States Congress I'm accusing them of being a Soviet mole or a Soviet uh, you know, a front guy is good enough reason to realize he couldn't be right? because the Congress doesn't get anything right. You look at what's going on and the evidence that they are exactly what they say they are and doing what they say they're trying to do. Is pretty clear. The evidence that they are these other things is not clear at all. And so until I know otherwise, I think they are exactly what I've said they are. They are part of a generation which is simply not going to put up with a national security state with cameras everywhere, all your records available to the government and being endlessly harassed and also having to go off to war, at war upon war upon war based upon lies over and over again. 
They're not going to put up with it because they know too much because the government had no choice but to hire them to run the damn computers. And so now they're screwed. Right? I assure you, Dick Taney couldn't do what Snowden could do. Some of the guys that went, some of the guys that came to Congress in the last 30 years couldn't even use a cell phone. Right? They can't do it. They had to hire these kids to do it. Now these kids are in their late 20s and 30s. And what are they going to do now? Right? And it's only going to get worse. So, yeah, maybe there's a mole in there. But trust me, this revolution. And by the way, you know, Russia is going to be plagued by their own Snowdens. Right? I mean, look, Putin is taking advantage of Snowden, but believe me, you know, he's he's equally worried about the Russian version of that, which is happening already to them. I mean, you know, Russia, you know, you know, Putin makes a, tries to make an example out of the 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 activist performance artist group Pussy Riot. And the whole thing is blown up in their face. It was all over the internet. Tweet, Facebook pages, they did a documentary about us all over the world. They make them look like idiots. And what can they do? They can't stop it anymore. So yeah, I mean, you know, there there's some old guard shit stuff there. I get that. But it's not working for them either. And so you're going to see a revolution there. Well, you know, Arab Spring is basically a revolution of millennials. If you look at all those people in the squares, how old are they? They're 20, 25, 30. They're all millennials. In other words, these are all a bunch of young Arab kids that don't want to have to live in an endless battle over stuff that happened 3,000, 2,000 years ago. And they're pretty computer savvy. There's a lot of cell phones in, in the square there in Cairo and everywhere else. How a lot of people think the Soviet Union was brought down by fax machines. To some degree it was. Well, we've moved past fax machines. And so what I'm trying to say is the generation that's coming up around the world today in China, in India, in Russia, and the United States is simply not going to put up with the same crap that was shoved down the throat of the baby boomer generation and generation Xers. War after war after war after surveillance after uh, violations of privacy. Abuses of power, abuses of police power, more racism, discrimination, bad laws. You're just not going to put up with it. And uh, so absolutely. I have, I'm optimistic. And I think it's, it's and we'll take a break in, in a minute, but uh, the biggest threat to the establishment, I think it's the preponderance of this technology that allows all of us. I mean, who would have thought that I could make a show with you and the next day people around the world could be listening to us this was unheard of you know maybe even 10 years ago but and you could archive it absolutely so they missed it the first time no no they let the cat out of the bag look they they you know they i don't think they understood it i don't you know believe me the politicians that were in washington at the time and in congress had no clue what was about to happen when darpa allows an internet, public internet, to sort of emerge out of their programs with the bulletin boards and the email. They had no clue. They were too busy counting their mo money, visiting their mistresses, and whatever else they do to keep busy when they're, you know, not working, which is most of the time. And so it just got away from them. Hey, great. So we're going to win one here in a big way, I believe. Not without casualties, of course. But still, they're going to lose. Just a question of how much damage is going to be done, how many more wars, how much nuclear terrorism, how many bioterrorist attacks, how many – whatever. How much more of the old guard nonsense is going to take place before we win, which is why the advocacy movement needs to be supported. The American people are still sitting on their heels going, you know, I don't know. Hey, the sooner we win, the sooner a lot of that goes away.
So if you want a worse version of the 20th century, don't vote, don't activate, don't do anything. Just buy stuff and keep electing idiots to Congress. No problem. You'll get a worse version of the 20th century. And a lot of people don't even know what happened in the 20th century, so they don't know better. But the people that do should be scared to death of that prospect. And so are they going to support the advocacy movements or not? Some of them are. Don't get me you know, wrong. They, there's, some, there's some support out there. But it's a fraction of what's needed. And so the American people have to decide. Are we going to be the 21st century version of the Romans in the 4th century? Or are we going to be the beginning of the real American dream? Right? A real global working reality. They're going to have to make that decision pretty soon. And this is why it's so important that we all become truth activists, for, for example. And we'll discuss this when we come back. I'd like to take your, get your take on ACTA, the Anti-Counterfeiting uh, Trade Agreement. This is, for, well, folks, this is worse than SOPA, PIPA, or OPEN. And President Obama signed in secrecy, in secrecy, the first binding draft of this act in October of 2011. And it essentially legalizes internet censorship on a global basis. But we'll discuss it when we come back. I also want to know uh, your reaction, the accomplishment of the, the, the wonderful event, the citizen hearing on disclosure. But tell us how people can learn more about your work and also if they want to review and, and revisit the citizen hearing. Well, most importantly, they, the, 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 you know, please go to citizenhearing.org uh, and you'll you can see excerpts from the hearings. You can see photos. The webcast has been suspended, but plenty of thousands of people utilized it. We're making DVDs. We're trying to raise funds for that. Huge project. Got to edit 30 hours. There's a movie that will eventually come out. But go to citizenhearing.org. That's a good place to start. As always, my main uh, operation is based at the paradigmresearchgroup.org. These sites are dated and have to be completely updated. Huge project, but I'll start that soon. Excellent, folks. Don't go anywhere. I'm here with my special guest, Stephen Bassett, Executive Director of the Paradigm Research Group. We have so much more to discuss when we return. This is Mel Fabregas, and you're listening to Veritas. We'll be right back. Thank you very much for listening to the first segment of this interview. We will continue with segment two with our special guest in the Veritas member section. Just go to our website, veritasradio.com, and click on the subscribe link to listen to the rest. We'll take a short intermission, listen to some music, and we'll be right back with segment two in the member section. Enjoy. I'm waking up to ash and dust. I wipe my brow and I sweat my rust. I'm breathing in the chemicals. Hey! 
Dr. Stephen Greer, and you're listening to The Veritas Show.